0: Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gasolski and I'm here with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small.
1: Hello, how are you today?
0: Good, how are you? I'm doing well. I hope everyone had a wonderful summer. I know you did, Courtney.
1: Yes, did a little traveling, but back now for the the fall (laughs) film season.
0: We we managed to, you know, corral him back to Toronto after his world travels. And uh, just in time... To welcome the world, so to speak, to uh, the I don't know how many what year annual Toronto International Film Festival. I just Festival. called the
1: blah 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 2018 <laughs> Toronto <laughs> International, <laughs> International <laughs> Film Festival.
0: It's like the 40 second, I think. I something. think it might be even
1: more than that. Okay, my
0: bad. <laughs> but but anyway, it's we all know it's tra- time for the Toronto International Film Festival. It's coming up shortly. Uh, ticket packages have been on sale. Tickets, I think individual tickets are going on sale next week. Yep,
1: September 3rd, you can go to the tiff.net website and yeah. order a whole bunch of tickets for... Yeah, and it's a good films.
0: idea. Yeah, it's a good idea now to go to net and just look at all the options and see if you can narrow down uh some picks because uh, 300 plus films, it's uh, it's a vast giant uh crazy thing, crazy wonderful thing that takes over the city. And of course, I think we heard today, Thursday, um the announcement about all the stars that are coming. So I I missed that. I missed sure that too. I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> Everybody who's anybody is going to be in town, and uh, so the festival starts September sixth and runs until the sixteenth and so yes it's it's happening fast so Courtney and I are here to help you to start to focus and to help you with some picks. and We always like to start especially with films that you know may be under the radar, like especially uh films in shortcuts. Uh, we love shortcuts. Uh, I love, personally, I, I adore short films. I've, I've loved them for, for as long as I can remember. And, uh, you know, they're they're not the, the, they don't have the big stars, they're not the big draws, but they sometimes have, like, they're some of the best films in the festival. In fact, there's a few here. I'm willing to declare right now as, you know, must see, you, you'll, you won't regret seeing these things. They will be amongst your favorites. They're amongst my favorites right now. And I
1: would argue, I would argue that sometimes they do have stars pop up in unlikely places. You're right. Because like A lot of times you'll sit in a program and you'll go through a bunch of films and then all of a sudden there's a recognizable star and a short Like, How did they get that person there?
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's actually tr- very, very true. So, uh we're going to start so the the shortcuts is the program is the official program that's at TIFF and it combines Canadian and international so it's a, it's a wonderful mix of all different kinds of styles and voices and visions and yeah, forms and content. It's 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 beautiful and it's it's a great variety. It's a, it's a I always like short film programs because of the variety and because you just never know. What's coming next in five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there could be a lot of suspense in the films and in between the films, so it, it's it's never a dull moment. Um, so we're going to start with with some Canadian highlights because, of course, we're we're some of the best uh, short filmmakers. We're some of the best filmmakers, but when it comes to shorts, we really know our stuff. It's like to to make a really good short, an individual has to be as finely. Uh, Attuned to the form as the very best short film, um, short writers, mm-hmm. uh, short story writers. So it's just as big a, a skill to know what's a short film idea. And um, I think let's start with one that is, I know, a favorite of both of ours. It's a, a film by Alison Snowden and David Fine. It's gotten a lot of attention uh, worldwide so far. And so he's finally coming home here so that we can see it too. It's by the Oscar-winning anim- animation team, as I said, of Alison Snowden and David Fine. Uh, they made Bob's Birthday, which then became the show, Bob's.
1: There's right? uh, Bob and Margaret? The Bob and of Margaret, show? yeah,
0: because yeah, those are the characters in Bob's Birthday. It's a classic of animation. You can see it for free on the NFB website. And so now they they... They have come together again, and they made a film called Animal Behavior, which is, of course, some animated animals in a therapy session. Very simple, (laughs) very
1: simple. But the (laughs) and even the the stuff that they discuss in therapy is what you would expect people to discuss: relationships, issues, you know, struggling with to live in a world that's very technology obsessed. Like one woman before or one character I should say before she even speaks, she has to take a photo of the people and then put it on Instagram. You know, even without getting their permission. Exactly. And what's what I love about this um short is that the whole thing is about, you know, kind of be, learning to be true to one's nature and kind of embracing the flaws and because they're all animals, they all have different types of habits and. Right. you know. So it's,
0: it's almost like, you know, the stereotypes like of, of the animals, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they well, I'm not going to give away the animals um, because it'll, it'll let you know something about their characters. But you know, an animal has a certain uh, set of behaviors or a certain, uh, Reputation. Yeah, let's and they, say. they
1: interact with other types of animals in certain ways. And it's just a really funny, well written short. Like, again, it's, it's animated, but I was compelled by all these characters. I yeah. want to, I, I almost wished it was a little bit longer just so I could spend more time basking in being, the uh, think This joy needs of it. to be
0: a series. Uh, I hope this becomes a series. Uh, and to me, it was, you know, a hilarious uh, send up of navel gazing because although they're in therapy, which is a good thing. Um, th- some of it, including the Instagram obsessed, mm-hmm. right? uh, she can't put down the iPhone or whatever, the phone, um, some of that is, is navel-gazing. And, and meanwhile, the person directing it is trying to get them to do actual therapy. So it's this interesting dichotomy between the two, which I think is, is what's happening in a, you know, it's a larger societal context of, mm-hmm. you know, where does navel-gazing stop and where does therapy, like, actual good-for-you therapy begin? Yeah. But, yeah, what you brought up about the whole thing about accepting your nature is also really interesting in the context of social media because we're all putting on personas, right? My Facebook persona, well, I don't actually lie, not like other people. Anyway, not as bad as other people. But, you know, in Facebook... Our profiles are better.
1: You always put your best foot forward on, on social media. And even the therapist himself has trouble reigning in the group because he's not always being true to himself as well. And Or, it's- he, or sometimes his true nature comes out. Yes, and that's true. So it's it's that that struggle, and his true nature sometimes goes against what he's preaching. So it's (laughs) it's just a really well done short, and it's it's worth checking out. Um, You know, go to the TIFF website, and you can find it.
0: Yeah, I just want to say before we wrap up on that one, um, that true to to their style, uh, that they showed us in Bob's birthday and in their other films, like uh, Alison Snowden and David Fine, are really good. Stylistically and in terms of their focus in, in their content, on uh, on focusing on think on detail. Mm-hmm. Everything is rich with detail. The animation style is rich with detail, but also uh, the content. Yep. And it, and so that that makes for this uh, this wonderful experience, and and that adds to the humor. That's that's partly what makes it so so funny, mm-hmm. beyond the you know the true. True to life kinda of <laughs> <laughs> notes that they hit. Okay, I chose that one.
1: Um how about do you want to jump to emptying the tank? Yes. The, okay. Um, so so em- emptying the tank is a very f- strong film. L- uh, the latest short film by uh Caroline Monet. And it seems like every year she's she's got a new short film playing. And th- thank goodness
0: for that. You know? Yeah. And and I, I love her. I'm stuff. hoping
1: I'm hoping she'll get a feature at, at some point. That we can uh, bask in but this is a great documentary short on Ashley um, Nichols who is a Chippewa uh, First Nations mixed martial artist and it's her basically a lot of footage of her training and as she's training she's telling us about her you know what inspired her to take up fitness and how mixed martial arts has really helped her her life and it's The film does a really good job of showing that something like mixed martial arts, there's also a spiritual aspect to it. And there's a side of that sport that while it's good that, you know, she's competing at a top level as a female, as an indigenous person, there's also she can also find her own culture and heritage within some of the ritual.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the way that she's practicing the sport, she's also practicing a type of, of spirituality, which is included in the preparation. And martial arts do have that spiritual element in the fact that she's able to, to incorporate an indigenous practice within that. And um, fusing the two together, um, and and so that you know the physical and the spiritual come together in in such a strong, powerful way. It's just it's, I found it this this incredibly inspiring and just beautiful spiritually this beautiful expression of an individual and her inner strength. You know,
1: mm-hmm. and it's also just a really. Nice looking film. Like the so film, gorgeous. the film opens with it's. It's all done in black and white, and it opens with a shot of a ring set up in the forest, and it's empty, but the the ropes are are glowing in the dark. Like it's just a really powerful. Yeah, and you get to image. see
0: how that gets worked into. It's mm-hmm. just that one image. Um, you know, Caroline Monet is she's so good um, because she's dealt with installation and film and different kinds of art to express her her vision and her her messages um she knows really how to to create these vivid striking images that resonate so strongly um this is this is not a film that you're going to easily forget
1: no no and it's as you said it's a it's an inspiring film at at the end of the day like you walk away Thinking, oh, I really need to go to the gym. I need to <laughs> kind of get my life a little sorted out better.
0: To me, I just I, you know, as a woman, I see this this woman uh, expressing this kind of uh, diff- these different layers of of strength, this this dedication to her health, uh, to all levels of her health, and um, in the, in this this incredible um, portrait, this incredible uh, representation. Of uh, a female, of of a strong female, of a strong indigenous woman, it's it, it's it's really hard to describe the kind of the impact that it has, and and just how uplifting that is for for you know for me to see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, Fove.
1: Oh yes, Fove.
0: Now, talk about okay. We're hitting you with with all these like really striking ones. <laughs> um, Fove, do you want to tackle this, this sure. one? Sure.
1: It's uh, directed by Jeremy Comte Comte, Comte. Comte. and it's a f- it's a really interesting film. If, if we're going to talk about films that you you don't easily forget, the premise of this is two young boys are. Spending the day, basically, kind of playing pranks on each other, trying to have a, a long game of one-upmanship, and everything is, you know, worth a point, and it's all about trying to make someone flinch or see if if you're on top of the abandoned train, if you're gonna fall, or if someone's afraid, that's a point.
0: Yeah, they're daring each other. Yeah, this, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a. It's such a. I'm sorry, uh, not to offend you, Courtney. It's such a boy thing.
1: No, it's 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 completely a boy thing. You know, they're. <laughs> They're they're doing a lot of stupid things in the name they, they, of they, they, trying to prove themselves more superior than the other. Yeah, who's tougher? Yeah, who's
0: the, who's the tougher guy?
1: And something happens that changes the the whole dynamics and it's and how you move forward after this incident happens. And it's it's such a interesting film because at the beginning or for most of it they're alone, and I couldn't tell if it was. Modern day or post-apocalyptic, because everywhere they were heading was like abandoned, rundown places.
0: Yeah, because it's um, it's actually it's the setting, that that is, what uh, what really sets up a, a lot of confusion and a lot of then understanding mm-hmm. and a lot of room for interpretation, like rich metaphor. Just it's an open pit mine. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't know if, if, if for, like, at some points you just don't know if it's a natural creation. Is this some sort of futuristic desert-like, or is it some rocky terrain? Are they often, you know, where are they? And in fact, it's it. You slowly start to realize it's like a man-made thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And when things go wrong, it's really impactful because you spent so much time watching them goof off and not think of consequences and then to, and it was innocent that's yeah. the thing it and was then to have to innocent. live with the the consequence of, of what happened and you we're dancing around it because it, it's more impactful if you actually see it and you have to see it. but it's it's one of those things where you think how does how do you move forward after that mm-hmm. you know and it's it's one that I still think about a lot.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, this one you have to see on the big screen. And this is one of the films that I would say really stands out in the festival. I mean, I think so far we've talked about all the films that I would say these are highlights of TIFF. Like, hands down. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Um, these are as big highlights as, you know, the recent winner of the Cannes Film Festival. The, the award winner, right? Mm-hmm. It, these are as impactful as those. Um, this one you have to see on the big screen, it's visually striking, and, and the visuals, the setting is really key to how you take in the film, how you see the film, and then how you are affected by what happens. Yep. And uh, I have to say, it's a multi-award winner. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it, uh, it included in those awards, it won the Sundance Film Festival Special Jury Award for Shorts.
1: Oh, that's great. I, it's well-deserved. Absolutely, well deserved.
0: yeah. Absolutely, no question, yeah. So tell me when. I know there's, uh, there's some that uh, I haven't seen that you have.
1: Yes, there's one um, called Exit, and it's by Claire Edmonston. And this is another one where I'm going to dance around some of it, but it stars Maria Bello. Uh, you, you might recognize her from... I think she's been on NCIS. She was in the film uh, History of Violence. Very great American actress. And in this film, she plays a woman who, at the beginning, I guess, has had a, a weekend with her daughter and is just kind of going about her day. And then you start to realize that there's a lot of anger within her. And as the film unfolds, you realize that she's ill. And which is the root of a lot of that anger. And then there's a point where she starts to contemplate certain decisions and how to go about, you know, these decisions that will ultimately impact her life. And that's all I can say. But Maria Bello gives a wonderful, subtle performance. Um, you You would expect with a role like this that the film would be somewhat over the top or melodramatic. But Edmonston keeps it really contained, you know. So it's all about emotion. It's one of those films where the, the emotions on Bellow's face say a lot, even when she isn't saying anything.
0: It sounds like um, structurally, though, like formally, the filmmaker keeps it. You, you know, you say it's all about emotion
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that the, the filmmaker is keeping that in check, Yes. With the style of the film. Yeah. Which a, usually results in an even more powerful mm-hmm. experience. Like it's,
1: it's it's not a flashy film. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just a lot of moments where you see her either going about her day or starting to break down, um, be it tears or whatnot, or just carrying – like the, the, the film opens with her shooting a gun at some like, beer cans, and you're not quite sure – why is she doing that? You know, yeah. and as the film progresses, you're like, oh, okay, that's one of the ways that she's trying to express the rage that's inside of her. And it's, it's just a really, it's a subtle, but well done, well done short.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- that's a good, good thing about, about shorts. I mean, you can take a little chunk, a little piece, mm-hmm. uh, unless, you know, the, the old expression, slice of life, something like that. And then just give it a focus. And by giving it that focus, that's where the, the strength and the power, Of what you're saying comes from.
1: Yeah. And it tackles some. Some pretty heavy issues. But in a way that. It leaves it up to the audience. To really. Decide for themselves. How they feel. Mm -hmm. About the stuff that's being raised.
0: Mm -hmm. Well that. That reminds me of this. This film. Uh, It's pronounced. Jajo. It's like. DZ. You know. So it's just like. Basically look at the one. That's got all these. Like Eastern European. (laughs) The the short. (laughs) It's by Aaron Rees. It, so it's Giacomo. At least that's how I, as a Polish person, would pronounce it. But uh, they're not Polish in the film, so uh, it's about a, a young woman, you know, twenty-two-year-old woman, and she lives with her uh, aging grandfather, and it, it is a slice of their life together, right? And uh, with it, you know, a bizarre twist. Yeah, very, <laughs> a very, very, bizarre very bizarre twist. Bizarre twist. <laughs> um. That happens. Um, but even even when we're in the present day and it's just, you know, you're, you're watching it and it's just like day to day, their interactions, and you see the subtleties of how they seem to be kind of – you can tell they're relatives. You can tell they're related, mm-hmm. right? You could definitely tell – they're, they're, they're apple and, you know, apple and tree. The, that dynamic is definitely going on and there's there's some some mirroring in one and the other. So that's the funny thing is, you know, when they're butting heads, but it's like they're butting heads because they're kind of exactly the same. And then the way it spirals into fantasy and it's I've got to tell you, this is one of the bizarrest little twists in terms of spiraling into fantasy that I've ever yeah. seen.
1: It's it's weird because there's a, there's a codependency to their relationship, but then there's also a, genu- a genuine bond because, as you said, they are family. And at one point, the grandfather refers to their relationship almost as a business. Yeah. Because she's clearly his assistant aide. Yeah. Throughout. But she
0: probably gets a deal on rent, right? Yes. <laughs> but
1: she can live essentially rent-free or, or cheaper rent, but there comes a point where it seems as if she wants to break away the business side of the relationship, (laughs) but is not sure how she wants to. And it it goes, it goes some really strange places. And when it starts to intertwine fantasy, um, which is something that normally I'd be all for by time this film ended, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. And I still don't know how I feel about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I bet you're thinking about it.
1: I'm thinking about it. And I, and, it's one of those films that I'll have fun discussing you know mm-hmm. in great detail, but I still am not sure how I feel about that one. Mhm,
0: which I still think is a triumph
1: mm-hmm. if you
0: could walk away from a film and it's still begging you, it, it's, it's like, I, I just don't know, right: hey, It has all the stuff that it, I like.
1: It's well shot, <laughs> it's got the, some surreal moments to it. I just I just don't know what to make of it.:
0: <laughs> Yeah, but it's imagine like how mm. long is this film?
1: Oh not that long. Exactly.
0: Yeah. For, so in a few minutes this person has has a mastery of that form of that that subject that that style, that content. They've mastered it to the point where they can mess with your head like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I
0: just love when short because that's the beauty of shorts, you know? They can do that. And then the other I would call, you know, slice of life that gets pushed in that same vein is a, a film called Little Waves. Um French Canadian film. And it this girl and her older cousin, and you know, uh, her older cousin, and she's watching her older cousin interact with her boyfriend. Um, And this, you know, opens up feelings. It's the girl is old enough to start being being to think about relationships and boys and you know to have that confusion about her own feelings and her own like sexual feelings and awakening right um and then the way that the film it does you know slice of life and then you know it just sort of has this little push this little twist at the end it just pushes into some sort of hyper real zone just at the very very end and you go holy holy crap what was that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's kind of genius in what it represents, okay? You know, and and again, just take, this is this is why you know I'm such a uh, a lover of shorts. It's because when the person really has mastered this, when they understand what a short can do and what a short is best at, mm-hmm. then you get these magical things happening. Yeah, but the most ma- one of the most magical things I saw to me. Uh, was in Harnarine's new film. Oh, now, yes. Now, he, if some people might remember, won the Best Canadian Short Film at the 2011 Toronto International Film Festival for a beautiful little film called Doubles with Slate Pepper. So he's back with this uh, a very unconventional <laughs> film um, that does, it just goes... Right into magic realism, which is something I, I really am a big fan of in short film when it's done right. And he's got that mastery of style. He's, like, he's got this subtlety, uh, this way of doing this, uh, that he can, he can do this, this little nod to magic realism in portraying a relationship between a mother who's, who's you know away from her daughter. Her daughter's back home and they're they're pining for each other, and they're sort of longing to be with each other and and the mother's how how far the mother's love reaches back to her daughter
1: yeah it's a it's a beautiful film it's also a sad film as well, but i mean that's
0: it is but that little twist of magic realism it's, it's just a it's magic
1: and i I love how the film uses. Um, nature and um, there's a particular bird which, um, the type of bird i can't remember at the moment i'd have to go through my notes but it th- uses nature and and this particular bird as like the, the through line that kind of connects them mm-hmm. you know they're even though they're both sad and both missing each other the the island of Trinidad is you know what's kind of uniting them in spirit
0: and this bird.
1: And this bird. This
0: particular bird.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting film. I, I There was a lot of times where I thought, okay, we're going to get more dialogue, more dramatic beats. But instead, he lets the film breathe and lets the emotion breathe, which was a, r- a really smart choice.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. that. Um, that's the strength. Yeah, I think that's one of the genius things now. Um, I have one last you, one that you, I can talk okay. to. Since about. Since we're talking about um,
1: more somber tales. There's a Canadian um, UK co-production and it's called Circles and it's by um, Jaisha Patel and it follows this family in India. Basically three generations of women and it's, it primarily focuses on the youngest daughter who want to say is maybe early 13 like puberty ish yeah um and she's already had a tough life to begin with and at you find out that at some point um she was assaulted by a group of men and as she's recounting the story and kind of piecing back events you start to realize that maybe her grandmother might have had a hand in all of that. And then it's really, the film is really about how um, these women have each grown up with hardship and they can't seem to get out of the, the cycle of violence and how in within that community, women are so devalued that every... It gets to the point where people, and and at one point even her mother expects that bad things should happen to women who quote unquote don't, you know, stay, follow the line, don't um, keep in tow. And it's it's a really heartbreaking film, and you're seeing as it only follows the young girl for maybe about three or four months, but it's all building up to her wedding day. You know, and it's just the again the, the the this three generations are all caught in this same cycle, and you realize it's so ingrained. Everything from like female police officers to you know potential new relatives, extended family, if you will, they're all they all have this really distorted mindset on a woman's place and the, the levels of violence that are appropriate to to put on women,
0: and that are expected to be accepted
1: Ex- yeah because it, it's it's a really t- it's a tough film to watch in terms of the subject matter you know, yeah I can it, imagine it, it's yeah. a lot of it you're just watching the women as they're picking grain in the house but even then they're doing a lot of the work and you kind of see the men off in the distance just stand there watching you know they and the grandmother comments at one point about you know wanting to marry off the young girl fast because if she had a grandson she wouldn't have to worry about this problem you know marrying her off is the way that they will get a little financial help and it's it's just a really tough film and by the end of it you, you just want to know what happens like I, I wish they would do a follow-up you know every couple years just see where do
0: they do they leave you with any or is it is it the type of film that that is important to see so that the dialogue, especially in a con- on in the context of the the tiff general sort of theme of share her journey is is it that kind of experience where you know in this sort of context and that's happening in this festival that that we see these films and we talk
1: yes oh you'll you'll definitely have a lot to to talk about after this and um, not just because it's, you know, a female filmmaker, but just how the views of how people view women in certain societies and, and you know. What, and it's still happening. And it's still happening. Like this to the point where, you know, the discussion has to start to be how do we change these views, especially these patriarchal views that are doing more harm to women than, than are good.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, now, how am I supposed to switch...
1: For something not serious. Hopefully, you'll have something a little more upbeat. It's visually
0: stunning. It's it's just a visual feast. I shouldn't say just. But did it
1: make you happy? Yes, it did. Then that's a perfect (laughs) way to uh, jump in. Because, you know, after something like something heavy, you need something that will bring you joy and delight.
0: This will bring everyone joy and delight, especially uh, voyeurs, cinema lovers. And especially lovers of Hitchcock. Well, not especially. No. I mean, I think that um, the new film made by Guy Madden, Evan Johnson, and Galen Johnson uh, called Accidents. And it's spelt not I- in the plural of accident. It's spelt uh, with the ending E-N-C-E. Oh, okay. So it's like this kind of nonsense word. Um, and it's based on a song uh, that uh, that this artist that came up it was inspired by that song um and so yeah it's it's put together um in this it, his, hitchcockian you know anyone who's seen vertigo and knows especially the the central metaphor of the window right not vertigo it's not vertigo it's rear window rear window okay that's why you look so confused because
1: no, I was just going I through the wrong film. No, I was going through like all the Hitchcock films. I was like, okay, but there's a lot of scenes that happen in front of windows. Like which one is she <laughs> referring to?
0: No, it's rear window. With you know, with the setting of watching a number of windows at the mm-hmm. same time. Except this has gone into like a hyper hyper extension of that, where you see so many, like this this has to be seen on the big screen, and I would say this has to be seen. This is a, a highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a visual feast, and I'm sorry that I said. Uh, apologies to everyone for saying it's just a visual feast. This is uh, a masterwork of of narrative. It's a masterwork of metaphor. It's a it's a masterwork of on-screen choreography. In terms of the formal elements of cinema, it's 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 a, a triumph, really, and. So, yes, there's a, you know, a mystery at the center of it. Oh, okay. But there are so many things happening around, but you don't ever in this film kid yourself that those things are not important because the way that this film t- extends... Okay, this, this film has this incredible way of dealing with narrative trajectory. What you, what you see as the story and then you get distracted right because that story seems to pause and then these other stories you see as the character in Rear Window sees that all these other things are happening as well Well, something happens this is just a little clue something happens somewhere else in the frame in another window well so you
1: have to be paying, so you attention, have to be to paying attention to everything everything that's going but on but
0: it's okay. not it's not a chore. It's mm-hmm. This is not a hard work film. This is a sit back and, and aghast with wonder and delight. And watch this and be amazed.
1: Oh, definitely have to check one that, that one out then.
0: <laughs> and it has to be on the big screen. Do not watch this mm-hmm. otherwise. No Vimeo links for this one. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it should be outlawed for this film. Accidents, okay? Okay, so those were sa- just a few highlights from Shortcuts. And I know we're going to talk about more, you know, as the festival goes on, sure. because there are so many more. But uh, it's a really strong year for Canadian cinema. There's such a variety of things that are happening, of, of films that are out there, that are, uh, that are going to premiere, world. a lot of world premieres for Canadian films, a lot of uh, films, you know by first time feature film directors, a lot of films by people, you know, Patricia Rosamount has a film mouthpiece. Yeah.
1: Dominic Keller has one. Dominic
0: Keller. So, you know, you're going to see the veterans as well and see what they've been up to. Um, so we're going to, we're going to talk to about one of the films that, you know, is was probably not going to get a lot of attention, but it's, it, right now is a great time to talk about a documentary, mm-hmm. a really strong documentary because uh, it's, it's, been what has been dubbed the summer of documentary, summer of the documentary. And in a world where you know most of us are either following the news on Twitter or we have if we have televisions, we have CNN on a lot, a lot more than we thought we ever would. And there's a lot of debates, political debates, and and and. People are testing, people across the world, leaders across the world are testing everyone's ideas of what is moral, what is proper, what is right, and more importantly, what is democratic. Then we get this film, What is Democracy?, by Astra Taylor, and uh, it's produced by the NFB. In fact, the producer, Anita Lee, is the same producer as uh, Sarah Pauly's producer, uh, Stories We Tell. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Uh I'm gonna let you well, introduce this film.
1: It's it's interesting because um Astra Taylor uses Plato's um theory on democracy as the the basis for her her, her film. And she goes around talking to various intellectuals, um average workers refugees and goes all across the globe to see how plato's theory um applies to today and what she uncovers is that basically our our notions of democracy and at least especially how it's being um utilized and employed is is all skewed uh we've essentially given way to depending on which voice you talk to in the film. Cause there's a lot of different yeah. people. Yeah. Um, some people say that we've basically traded in capitalism for a democracy. Um, and she uses Greece as a, as an example and obviously what's happening in the U S right now and how the, the voice of the people and especially equality amongst people has, um, basically disappeared Mm -hmm. you know we we've the and i think cornell west and angela davis kind of sum it up best when cornell davis says you know a lot of our government's foundation's way of life are built on a flawed model of democracy and and one in which it was always built on someone being oppressed
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know and democracy essentially is being governed by a small few you know, not the many the way intend to be. And it's a, it's a really fascinating film. The, it, there are so many different competing theories and ideas that everyone's going to, regardless of whatever your political view is, will come away with an aha moment, uh, uh, you know, that person's right or I don't agree with that person moment, but you'll come away wanting to discuss it.
0: Yeah, and it's it, it gives you, you know, as you were saying, Cornell West – Especially, as, you know, he's bringing it down to what's happening now in here. And that that's a strength of, of Astra Taylor's, Taylor's approach and vision. Um, because she, when she's talking with other people as well, by the time we get to Cornel West saying that, other people have also gone through, taken apart, like Plato scholars have taken apart Plato's points. And he's pointed out that democracy is not actually uh, one specific thing and so she's gone through and and through through what they say you know and they you know that you have to choose this and you have to choose that and that it's not um it, it, there is no single definition right there it, <clears throat> it's not as simple as people voting right and so that it therefore it is gotten um interpreted in different ways and, and therefore, by the time we see Cornell West saying this, it's because we need someone to give us a, a definition that is explaining what's going on now, how it got mm-hmm. to this permutation, whereas, you know, somewhere else or in, in a different time in a, dif- in a different country, it was interpreted this way. And you know they go through the the example of what happened with Italy in Siena way back in what, 1600s or something, where you know there was this more of an expectation of of there being a sense of the common good, and how you know it's it's so therefore it's really interesting to see how it morphs into what yeah what they're talking about uh, Cornell West and Angela Davis. It's like well now you know specifically now in the States, this is what's going on,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's, one of the things I found really fascinating about is, despite everyone having different views, there's a common through line that um, the individual, you know, we as society, there became a point where we just stopped paying attention. You know, we put our trust in, uh, the, you know, a few people and kind of, Turned our minds off. I know, and, and which is now, not
0: with the original definition. Yeah, was. and now
1: we are we are all over the globe. We're facing the the consequences of it, and it's and it's tough to kind of right that ship now because we've turned away for so long. But it's going to take a lot. You know, it, it's it, it's going to take people vote, not just voting, but keeping on their elected officials after ensuring that people are doing what they are supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. and then also, the idea that a society does not thrive if if half of it or more than half aren't aren't um pulling their weight like there's a there's a great example where I think someone was talking about uh a colony of ants and they and the guy was trying to use that as an example of well you know only the if the top earners or the hardest working people don't work then you know, society will crumble. And they say, well, no, if you look at ants, if you take away like the main worker ants, the ones who are carrying all the loads, the rest of the ants as a group will divvy up the work and get it done just as well. But everyone will have a part. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're keeping only, if you're dictating only a few people can do certain things and then everyone else has to suffer, then of course you're not going to society is not going to evolve in advance.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how complicated it is now because the uh, people's thinking about their place in society has changed. That there there was a sense before of uh, a common good which doesn't happen anymore because more and more has become about individuals and that even that has an economic that Plato even foresaw an economic aspect to it that that had to be addressed, which was um, you can't have a society where the rulers may, are, you know, the, the, that's divided. You can't have a society that's divided uh, so much by, on economic terms that you have the rich and the poor. Um, and then the rich get to be the leaders, and they just keep taking from the poor. And and therefore that there's no progress in the society that way because they're only working for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then you, you look at the that. You think of, of course, now, I immediately thought of now, and, you know, the famous tax cut for the rich, or no, the tax cut for the rich that's actually going to help all the poor people in the states, according to the, you know, the twisted propaganda. It's There's so much to it. It's like then you think of, well, the state, the, the a, a state that – is more like our our kind of society and our kind of political state where it's like, well, no, we do have an obligation to people. We do have to give universal health care. Or you look at, you know, in Sweden, th- things get even more uh, divvied up in a way. You know, taxes mm-hmm. are higher, and therefore people are taken care of by other people who can take care of, you know... Um, and how far away that has become, and what is happening with, with people that are immigrants in the U.S., and and uh, the fact that she focused on you know groups of people in the, the disadvantaged people in the states that are only disadvantaged by circumstances beyond their control. Yep. You know they're working so hard, um, and they have they there's nothing that should be logically preventing them from having all the rights. That everybody else has except for you know things like like racism and you know paperwork yeah oh you're illegal
1: this is a and that's another thing this film makes a really good point of all over especially with the the refugee crisis there they show you that people who as you said you know had to flee their lands for circumstances you know beyond their control can be productive members of society and as we see like in the states there's a lot of people who were working hard for years making money for those same individuals at the top yeah but didn't you know don't qualify for for further legal status or certain rights so basically those at the top are making millions off of these people and then are turning around and saying yeah goodbye you know, and bringing in the next person. So it's there's a lot to this film. There's a lot to yes. discuss, and it's again there's a lot of issues that get tackled. So it, it's definitely worth seeing. Yes, um, and
0: uh, we wanted you know to make sure that it was on people's radar and people saw this film.
1: And there's one other Canadian film. There's oh. there's a bunch that are playing. Um, there's a few that we can't officially um, go into much detail yet. Um, but we we're definitely gonna. Going to talk about because there's some really great Canadian films, but there's one um, to to end on a, on a lighter note. There's a film called Kingsway, and it's directed by Bruce Sweeney, and he did, he's done a couple of of films. And oh, he's a veteran. Yeah, as, yeah, I one of my favorite of his is um, 2001 film called Last Wedding, which I believe has Molly Parker and mm-hmm. a bunch of Canadian actors that you recognize, and all that was about like, you know, a marriage in crisis and just relationship issues. Well, his new one Kingsway is, is similar. It follows a, a family. Um, so you have this professor who suffers from anxiety and he believes his wife may or may not be having an affair. Um, and even though he follows her, he's not confident enough to question her, but his mother and sister are known for meddling, even when they shouldn't and meddling when they don't have all the information. Uh, so you're watching their interactions with this particular situation. But also the mother has, has potentially found like a new relationship with a, an older gent in her community and her sister, his, sorry, his sister, who seems to have a, some anger issues. Um, she's been single for a while and is struggling to find. So there's a lot of relationship problems going on as this family is trying to coexist and deal with each other's quirks right and as as all things with family they get on each other's nerves they get upset but then they also realize they need each other and you know you you ultimately can't break the family bond it's it's a funny film it's it feels very much like a a traditional canadian comedy like it's one in the sense that you'll you'll laugh but you almost feel like you've you've seen a lot of these themes done elsewhere before and even in mr sweeney's own um canon of mm-hmm. films but it's it's still worth checking out it's it's entertaining
0: it sounds like a good uh character character driven film mm-hmm. you know which i love me a good old-fashioned character driven where it's you know you just sit back and you watch these characters and they're well developed and their their interactions are just driving the film and it's just,
1: yeah, just a lot of fun they're the right amount of quirk Yeah, yeah, and at the the end of the day, you you walk away, you've had some good laughs. You know, there's a lot of funny lines in it, and you end up feeling good.
0: Yeah, you know, I think we need we need to to highlight films like that as well because I don't know about you, but there are often times during a film festival, any film festival, where I basically um, had uh, the. <laughs> I've just felt like somebody has just beaten me up mm-hmm. and you know taken my heart and crushed it and torn it apart and made me cry so much um, that it it's, uh it's always nice to see something you know well crafted that just give me a few laughs and give me some memorable characters and
1: yep that's right we often tend to you know put the title of important films on uh, the serious the ones that will crush your heart but sometimes you need sometimes the important film could be a great comedy.
0: Absolutely. You know, or even in, in
1: this case just an enjoy, you know, just an enjoyable night out.
0: All right. On that note, um we're going to end our first episode of TIFF coverage. TIFF 18 Toronto International Film Festival is coming up on September 6th, so go to tiff.net and see and decide and and marvel at all the stuff there's so much and we'll be back next week to help you out a little bit more so until next week we'll see you at the movies